All right, we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to the Lord for everyone that's here. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's go to the uh, fifth chapter of 1 Peter. The fifth chapter of 1 Peter. We're going to start reading at verse 5. 5th chapter of 1 Peter, start reading at verse 5. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Everybody see that? Yeah, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with what? Humility. Everybody see that? For God resisted the proud... Everybody know what that word resist means? It means to fight against. So, so this is saying, for God fights against the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. In other words, this is the reason why you should humble yourself. Now, can nobody humble you? Everybody understand that? That's one thing that nobody can do for you. You have to humble yourself. Everybody understand? <clears throat> now, on the day of judgment, when people stand before God, and regardless of how raggedy they lived, even if they're on their way to hell, the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. On that day, whether you are worshiping God or not, you're going to confess that he's Lord. Everybody understand? But on this side, it's telling us to humble ourselves. This is something that we're supposed to do on this side. And can't nobody do it for you. I've seen people... Uh, in the, some of the worst circumstances, after making some of the worst decisions, still proud. Now, the, the fruit of our bad decisions is what's supposed to make us look back and say, you know what, I, I can't do this on my own. I should not have even been doing all of these things without, in, without inquiring of the Lord. But because of pride, people won't, they just rather just keep going down that, that bad road. So you, you, the fruit that you're eating is supposed to help to humble you. But sometimes it do just the opposite. It makes you more proud and more determined to keep going down the wrong path. So this tells us in verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Everybody see that? Now why does it say that? Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Now, his hand is mighty, whether you're under it or not. But it's saying, basically, it don't do you any good to try to humble yourself if you're not humbling yourself under God. You admitting that you've made some bad mistakes in your past or whatever the case is, that's not the same as humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. 
If you go back, read verse 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Does everybody understand? So you humbling yourself just naturally, so it's not the same as you humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. In other words, when you humble yourself, you have to submit to something. Anybody can look back and say, you know, I made some bad decisions, and, and then turn around and try something different. So you might humble yourself and decide that you've made some bad decisions, you know, because of the fruit of your decisions. But that's not the same as humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. In other words, okay, God, I give up. You win. You tell me what to do from here on out. From here on out, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to follow your lead. I'm humbling myself under your mighty hand. Everybody understand? So that's, that's something for us to think about. Many people try to humble themselves, which is really a false humility. They may confess that they've done something wrong, but they still don't submit to God. Everybody understand? And so it's important that when we are in that process where we recognize that we've done something wrong, it's not enough to recognize that you've done something wrong. Recognize why it went wrong. And it wasn't because you made a bad decision. It was because you were not humbled under the mighty hand of God. I can admit all throughout my past I've made bad decisions. That don't make me saved. Even if I admit, well, you know this didn't work out, or that didn't work out, that doesn't equal me submitting to God and, and, and letting him work it out. Everybody understand? That's not the exact same thing. And so that's something for us to think about. When we come before the Lord, we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. In other words, do things the way he tell us to do them. It bothers me when... I hear people confessing that um, they didn't believe something that I've preached or that they didn't receive what I preached. And it bothers me because <clears throat> I know that there's a consequence to not believing. <clears throat> I sincerely believe that Humility does exactly what this Bible says. Submit yourselves unto the elder. Somebody knows something more than you. When I was in school and I was in class in my classroom, I, I had a whole year to be in that classroom. Not at one time did I, I reject what those teachers were saying. I might not have liked the assignments. I might not have liked the homework. I might have thought some things were more challenging than others. But not one time was I going to think within myself, I don't believe that. You know why? Because if I'd have done it in the third week of class, everything else would have been foreign to me after that. Why? Because in school, they, things when they teach, things stack on top of each other. And so, if I, and so to me, what is that game where you stack blocks on top of each other and you have to pull them? 
jingle. Now you think about what God builds on top of you just like that. People get taught the word and God builds them up. At some point they decide they don't receive what's on that third tier there. So I'm going to snatch this from under it. And what happens when you do that? It's going to all tumble over. You, you'll, you'll start questioning everything that you ever believed. I knew uh, there, was a, there are people uh, who were a part of this ministry at one time. They were really true followers of God. And, uh, but the, then, then the day came where the devil talked him into believing that there was no such thing as modern day apostles and prophets. So that was ground zero there. That wasn't the second and third tier, that was the first tier. If you don't believe in God's prophets, then you, then you won't believe anything I preach to you. So if the devil can get you to snatch that little block, then the rest of it's going to tumble over. If I'm telling you that that's my calling, and you're here for two and three and four years, and then the devil talk you into believing, oh, nah, nah, that, that, that's not a true calling today. Why? Because the Bible says prophecies will cease. That's talking about when you go to heaven. There won't be no need for prophecy. But if the devil can snatch that cube from under you like that, then everything I preach tumbles over. And that's the way it works. As the word of God is going forth, and you at some point decide not to receive something, then God, in his wisdom, he don't stack any more blocks on top of that. So the devil counterattacks that and says, you know what, let's go back underneath that. Everything that you thought you were holding on to up to this point, let's get the rest of that. Let's, let's say that there's no such thing as a modern-day apostle and prophet. And if the devil can get you to bite on that, then he's got the rest of you. Now, you know what's funny is people go right back to whatever it was the Lord had pulled them out of. Does everybody understand? It, it never fails. Never, ever fails. When people, listen, you don't leave the truth and go somewhere else and find it. I'm telling you, you don't. All of God's preachers preach just like I'm preaching. All of them. Everybody understand? They, they don't cut corners. And so what happens is people go, if you look at your life, look at what, look at the mud that you've gone back into. That's how I know, even people that may be sitting here today, that's how I know when you've rejected something, when you stay in the mud. That's how I know when you've gotten offended at something that was said. You muddy. Everybody understand? And that's not God's will. So this tells us to humble yourselves, verse 6. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Now let's go back to verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yeah, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Now let me explain what that's talking about. When you're talking about being clothed with humility, 
is talking about covering up what, what your natural instinct would be. Adam and Eve knew they were naked after they had sinned against God. So when you're talking about being clothed with humility, that's talking about humility covers what your natural instinct would be. So I make a suggestion. You need to do this. If you're clothed with humility, your natural response is not to reject it or to even have to get over what I just told you to do. Clothed with humility means you're submitted. You're going to receive what I say or what somebody tells you. It ain't, it's not something that you have to ponder about. That's what being clothed, everybody understand. God ain't got to come behind somebody and confirm to you that that's what you need to do when you're already clothed with humility. When you're not clothed with humility, that's where this back and forth in your mind goes on. Uh, should I do it? Should I not? All right, Brother Bowden, he's been saved for over, you know, as long as I've been living. I guess I'll, he knows something. That's, that's natural. That's not being clothed with humility. Humility. If you're clothed with humility, you automatically assume that somebody knows more than you. And you don't have to go look at their background and check their credit to see whether or not they're qualified to tell you something. Everybody understand? So look what it says. And be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth what? The proud. I can't tell you the number of times people even sitting in this room have been told something and they've done something contrary. Only to have God fight against them. God him, I don't have to, I ain't got to do nothing but tell you what thus said the Lord is. He resists the proud after that. Or give grace to the humble. Everybody understand? Everybody understand what that means when it says, when it talks about God fights against you. Nothing you do will work after you have put on pride. Nothing. Everybody understand? It, it, it just won't work. And, and folks don't want to testify concerning what didn't work, but I'm telling you it won't work. Just take my word for it. It won't work. Everybody understand? <laughs> I'm telling you it won't work. This ministry started off that way in the, with the idea of everything that I was doing, it didn't work. And I was in jail preaching to prove it. So you think God's going to send you here and then all of a sudden your foolishness is going to work? If this ministry began with what I was doing not working and me coming to him because it wasn't working, what makes you think you're going to come here and then all of you going to trump God? This ministry began with something not working. That's what made it start. Everybody understand? That's why I don't understand how people can go to jail three and four times and serve 10 years, 20 years, and still come out full of the devil. It only took me going one time. Okay, well, God, what I'm doing ain't working. And I wasn't in there for weeks before I figured it out. On my way there, Lord, this ain't working. Okay, from now on, I'm your preacher. <laughs> Everybody understand? No, I ain't have to go to jail and get beat up and get an eye knocked out and all of that. 
This Bible says God resisted the proud. I've been knowing that scripture. I ain't have to be saved to believe it. God resists the proud. Now, what you have to ask yourself is, is God resisting me? Everybody understand? Is God resisting me? In other words, is, is, is God fighting against me? And if you determine that God himself is fighting against you, ask yourself, do you think you're going to win? I'm telling you, this Bible is true. God really does fight against the proud. Everybody understand? And it says, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in what? Due time. Now, I can't tell you the number of people that live in between these scriptures here. Okay, Lord, I'm humble myself. Okay, God, you win. I'm humble myself. Okay, Lord, so when are things going to change? All right, nothing's changed, so I'm going right back to the junk that I crawled out of. Why? Because you're not doing it when I want you to do it. You know how I many couples my wife and I have counseled? Married couples? They, they play that seesaw with one another. Okay, Brother Bolden, Sister Bolden, I'm going to change. I'm going to do what this Bible tells me to do. I'm going to submit as a wife. But when that husband don't, don't do what she thinks he ought to do in due time, now I'm going back to being contentious because it, it didn't work for me. Submitting don't work for me. Loving my wife didn't work for me because I loved her and loved her, and after six months, she's still raggedy. So now I'm going right back to where I was. But you have to know, you don't get saved for your wife's soul. That's your soul. When you stand before God, your husband or your wife ain't going to be standing on the side of you. It's going to be just you. Y'all not going to be up there holding hands, wishing, hoping for the best. When this Bible tells you to do something, that's for your soul. And when you disobey, it's your soul that's in jeopardy. It ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with anybody else. It's supposed to be about your relationship with God. Not you trying to improve your marriage. Everybody understand? And so it says that he may exalt you in due time. What does that mean? Once you prove to him that you're in it regardless of your external circumstances. You know why? Because a lot of people, they only want to do what, what God tells them to do when it benefits them some kind of way. Does everybody understand? I'll obey as long as it's looking good, as long as, as long as it's feeling good. They only want to obey God as long as it benefits them. <clears throat> but as soon as it starts costing them something, and they feel like they're not getting anything out of it. I'm right. I'm crawling right back in the mud. And so they go through this pattern. They don't submit to what God has said. 
They're not clothed with the humility. I'm going to just do it on my own because what, what, what is being preached is not working out. And then God himself have to step in and play defense. He's going to block you every shot. You're not, it's not going to even touch the rim. The ball ain't going to even hit the rim. And he's going to swat your mess out of the arena every time. It ain't going to never work. Now, here's the problem. After repeating this pattern so many times of you not being humble and then you're humbling yourself and then, and then not allowing God to exalt you in due time and then when you feel like God is just sleeping on you and then you go back to being proud, after you repeat that pattern so many times, every time bitterness builds up on the inside of you because you're doing not working and in your mind, me doing it God's way ain't working either. So I'd rather trust myself than God. Now I'm just all out. And if you're not careful, you'll die bitter. Because God is not going to go against his own word because you refuse to be obedient. Humbling yourself has to do with your relationship with God, not with what you can get out of God. Everybody understand? So this tells us, look at verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Everybody see that? Does everybody understand what that's saying? So why are you waiting on this exaltation? What you have to do is cast all your cares on him. So I'm submitted to my husband. I, I love my wife. I'm not going to, the way I get out of this cycle of going back and forth, I love my wife to death or to life, or however you want to say it, but she's still not being submitted. And it's been six months, it's been a year already, I'm not seeing any results. The way you get out of that cycle is by doing what this word says, cast your cares on him. In other words, turn what you think the problem is over to him. Because ain't nothing you can do about it. Your loving your wife is not going to fix her to be submissive. Your being submissive to your husband is not going to fix him to love you. Only God can change people. Now, here's the issue. When you do what God tells you to do for the purpose of changing somebody else, you are still a witch or a warlock. But deceived because you're trying to throw God in the mix. Okay, Lord, I'm all in. I'm submitted. Okay, Lord, I'm all in. I'm loving my wife now. But if you're doing it to, to, to affect some change in somebody else, and that's the reason why, you're still a witch or a warlock. Everybody understand? You, whatever you do for God, it has to be because you love him and because his word tells you to do it, not because you want somebody else to change. Everybody understand? You know, people... They come to this ministry and they want to, um, or to any other ministry where the Lord may have them, and they want to change because they, in their minds, I want my family to be saved. I want my family to find the truth. That's the reason why I'm going to be saved. That's the reason why I'm going to change. And if they see that change in me, they're going to come around. 
that never works. Not when that's your motive for changing, because really all you're doing then is putting on. And it ain't humility that you're putting on. Everybody understand? You don't change for anybody else. You change because God has redeemed you. You change for what God did for you, not for what he will do. Change for what he's already done. And let him, and let him do whatever it is he chooses to do because of that change. You ain't got nothing to do with that. You have to get that out of your mind. Everybody understand? Because while you're busy trying to impress people and trying to prove that you've changed, the whole time the devil is showing them your faults. No, you can't have that kind of pride and the devil not find something on the inside of you to reveal. Everybody understand? So this tells us, verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he does what? Careth for you. Verse 8, be sober. Be vigilant. That word vigilant is what we get our word from. The root word of that is vigil. Like somebody's holding a candlelight vigil. And the idea is they're watching. In fact, that word vigilant means keeping careful watch for possible danger or difficulties. Isn't that right? Let me read that again. Keeping careful watch for possible danger or difficulties. So this tells us to be that way, be sober. Now, that word sober is not just talking about don't drink alcohol or don't get drunk. It's talking about don't get drunk on life. What is it in your life that the devil is able to get you drunk on? What is it in your life that causes you to miss or causes you to go to sleep? So think about it, naturally, so food, food can make people want to go to sleep. Right after they get done eating a big meal, they want to take a nap. But food isn't the only thing that people get full of that make them want to go to sleep. Everybody understand? You can have a hobby that makes you drunk. Makes you, it makes you not pay attention to other areas of your life. It makes you neglect other areas of your life, and the devil is beating you up over here, but you're not, you're not, you're not concerned, because at least you got that. You can have people in your life that causes you not to be sober. Every time you talk to them, they take your, they, they re press rewind on your mind. Everything that you've learned concerning the things of God go out the door when you're talking to them because after all, you got to show them that you're really saved, that you've changed, and that's going to win them over. So you think about those things in your life that cause you to get drunk. Some people go to church for the purpose of finding a spouse. That's the only reason why they're in church. Because God's got a husband or a wife for them somewhere, and they want them to be saved, and that's why I'm going to find them at is in church. Still drunk. Everybody understand? This Bible says, be sober. 
get rid of stuff that's got you drunk. And it, and it, it don't have to be, it ain't got to be somebody else's drink either. Everybody understand? Some people, the Lord have told them, even sitting in this room, the Lord have told them, give up that television. Stop watching it. Oh, wait a minute, everybody else is doing it, so maybe it's okay. No, that's what you get drunk on. That's your alcohol. That's your kryptonite. Everybody understand? So what make you drunk might not make somebody else drunk. Look at what it says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, who? Who? As a roaring lion walketh about. Everybody see that? What is he doing? He's walking around doing what? Seeking whom he may what? Everybody understand? You know what devour means, that word? It means to drink or to, or to eat up where there's nothing left. So, let's say, for instance, this is a plate on my table. How many of you eat from plates? How many of you are able at one time to just take that plate and just shove it in your face and swallow it all down? No, you got a little bitty spoon. The food don't even know it's been eaten. You got a little bitty spoon just big enough to fit in your mouth so that you don't choke. It may take you 15 or 20 minutes, but after a while, all that food is going to get eaten up or devoured. That's the way the devil is. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may what? Not all at one time. Now that's the de that now that right there that's that's where the deception is. I'm still going to church. Yeah, but the devil sold you pride a week ago. The devil got your your whole life to devour you. He ain't got to do it in a year. Everybody understand? Slowly but surely. The devil reels you in. He ain't, got to, he ain't got to devour you in a year. He got your whole life to work on you. We've had a few people who were part of this ministry, and before they can get here, good. I mean, before they can even get here, after the Lord had revealed that they were supposed to be here, the devil starts. What does he start with? You ain't got to move to Tennessee. God is everywhere. That's one bite off your plate. And when you don't cast it to the side, it's still there. Everybody understand? You ain't got to move to Tennessee. God is everywhere. And you know what? The Bible says, if I make my bed in hell, God is there. He's there too. So we're going to use that. Let's use, let's, let's use that scripture too. God is in hell too. <laughs> but does God want you there? Everybody understand? 
Don't this Bible say that? If I make my bed in hell, he is there. So just because God is everywhere don't mean he want me anywhere. Everybody understand? That's foolish. Don't you cast that to the side. Cast that junk to the side. Everybody understand? Everybody in this room, point to where my wife is. Where is she? All right. Everybody that's a wife, now stand up. If you're a wife, stand up. Does anybody see where I'm going? It's wives everywhere. Y'all can sit down now. It's wives everywhere. They're all over the place. I can pick and choose. No, I got a wife. Everybody understand? No, when we, when we leave here, I don't pick and choose like, well, look, this one's coming with me today. You're going to be my wife this week. After all, because wives are everywhere. <laughs> Everybody understand? Now let's go back. Let's go back. All you wives, stand up. If you're a wife, stand up. I said if you're a wife, stand up. All right, now you can all be seated. <laughs> Everybody understand why I did that? Yeah. yeah, don't let the devil set you back for another year because you ain't believing God's word about you. <laughs> Doesn't this Bible say be sober, be vigilant? Now that's exactly what I'm talking about. Be sober. Be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, walking around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So if we hadn't gone back and made him cough up what he had just ate, everybody see, I'm trying to show you just how vigilant we have to be. Just, 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 just that quick. I believe one day, Brother Bowden, I'm going to be married. But you don't stand up. You don't believe it. And just that quick. The devil have to work on what you believe, not on what he believes. Believe it or not, the devil believes God's word. He knows it. Everybody understand? The devil works on what you believe. When the, when the devil showed up in the Garden of Eden... He didn't show up with death. He didn't show up with thorns and thistles and with sweat coming from Adam's brow. He didn't show up with a hard labor. He showed up attacking what they believed. Everybody understand? So when the devil, when the Bible says that the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, what does that mean? If you stand by faith, then how does the devil, then what areas does the devil attack you in? in? In faith, what you believe. Everybody understand? Look, in fact, let's read that. Verse 9, whom resist, in other words, you, 
you resist steadfast in what? The faith. What you believe. So it is, is it a wonder why when God is preaching and you throw out what he has preached? You deny it or you reject it. Is it a wonder why you fall? Is it a wonder why things don't go right? Everybody understand? Now you think about it. Some of you, you may be, before it's all said and done, you might be in this ministry for 50 years before the Lord come back or before he come back for you. That's 50 years of food that the devil has to eat off your plate to devour you. But what happens if you've only made it to three years? You ain't got that much for the devil to come after. At least you got something to stand on. Is, 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 everybody understand? That's the whole point. I'm, look, when it's good, power my plate up. How many of you do that naturally? How many of you, even if it's good, whether you're full or not, you know what? I'm on, I'm on seconds. That's the way God's word is supposed to be to us. And when it's good, we ought to go back for second and thirds. Devil, I know you coming. I see you coming with your spoon. But guess what? I got a bigger spoon. How many of you, when you dipping food out of the pot, you using one of them little spoons, them little teaspoons? Well, all the devil is eating with is a teaspoon. You always get one up on him when you eating God's word, when you piling it up on your plate. Everybody understand? So it says we resist him steadfast. How? In the faith. In God's word. Eating that word as much as we can. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So everybody understand that? Now, you know, part of the problem is this. In fact, let's go, let's go real quick to the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke. The 22nd chapter of the book of Luke, are we all there? We're going to start reading at verse 28. It says, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Everybody see that? He's talking to his apostles now. You continue with me, all the stuff that I've gone through, you were right there with me says, and I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Everybody see that? Does everybody see that? He's talking to those apostles, and he's telling them what's going to happen. Because you, you've stuck with me, all these years, 
and all the things that, that have come against me, and you, you stayed right there with me, a kingdom is going to be appointed to you, and you're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So verse 31, and the Lord said, now this is where the problem come in. Right after God give, get finished giving you your accolades, you're doing pretty good. You're all right. Then he have to come with this old negative stuff. What does he say? Simon, Simon. Everybody see that? Was that his name? Simon times two? Simon square? Simon Jr.? Just Simon. But he said it twice. How many of y'all call me Brother Bolden, Brother Bolden? Brother Bolden, Bolden. And you got my attention the first time. Now, in this Bible, and in real life, if you call somebody's name more than one time, what does it mean? Be sober, be vigilant. That car about to hit you. The house on fire. Something's wrong when somebody, and everybody understand. Something is already in play for you to say somebody's name twice. So that should have alarmed him. Okay, wait a minute. God himself just called my name twice, back to back. Now, he ain't crazy. He's not seen now. And he know I'm not deaf. Now, it, who was Simon? What was, it, what, what was the name that the Lord gave him? Isn't that, and that's the reason why we just read what he wrote. Be sober. Don't be like I was in the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke. <laughs> Everybody understand? I had to learn the hard way, but you ain't got to do that. Look what he says. Simon, Simon, behold. What does the word behold mean? Look. Pay attention to it. In other words, watch. Satan hath desired, everybody see that, to have you. Does everybody understand? Now you look at that very carefully. Satan hath desired to have you. Not just to have you, but what? That he may sift you as what? Wheat. Now let me, <laughs> let me go into detail about what the Lord is saying. How many of you, you go to the store and you buy a big bag of chicken or a big thing of piece of meat, like a big meat? What do you do when you go home with a big, like a big loaf of ground meat or something? What do you do? You put it in the freezer. You know what you want to eat today. So you cut some of it off and you, what do you do with the rest of it? Leave it on the counter? You put it in the freezer. Isn't that right? But you already have it. You ain't got to go to the store every time you decide to cut a piece of it off. You already have it. You plan on sifting it. 
I'm going to eat it little by little, but I already have it. And let me explain to you what the Lord is saying to us today. The moment you disbelieve something that God says, the devil already have you. The problem is it might not become evident unto you until you only got a spoonful left to show for your quote-unquote Christianity. But the day you disbelieve is the day that the devil have you. Everybody understand? So look what he says. Let's read that again. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to what? Have you. He want to buy you, Simon. And once he have you, he's going to sift you. He's going to eat you up little by little. Now, you know why the devil does that instead of just killing somebody outright? Because he don't want to make it evident to them that he has them. You already in the devil's freezer. He's already eaten a little bit of you because you disbelieved. But you know what? He allowing you to go to church. He allowing you to read in your own private time, have your own little Bible study at home, have your own little prayer time in your prayer closet. He's allowing all of that. But he's still sifting you. And over time, it becomes evident, wait a minute. I'm not where I used to be. Yeah, we know. Get out the devil's freezer. Go back and believe what you rejected. Everybody understand? Isn't that something that the Lord is still bringing us up? Go back and believe what you rejected. That's the only way you get out of that freezer. Everybody understand? Look at what he says. That he may sift you as what? Wheat. In other words, just little by little. Little by little. Well, you don't even know it. And you know what? And he gets some kind of sick pleasure out of it. He gets pleasure out of you thinking that you're really blown to God after you've rejected his word. When people leave the truth, they don't just, just go all the way back in at first. They got to make it look like they were justified in leaving the truth. Now, I'm not going to go all the way back. Not tomorrow. I still don't believe in celebrating pagan holidays. I mean, I believe some of what was preached, so I'm going to follow that, and I'm going to have my own relationship with God. But I'm telling you, as sure as I'm sitting here, over time, the devil, he already got you, so he don't care how long, you know, you're you already on your way to hell, so it don't matter to him how much of you he eat. He ain't got to eat all of you as long as, as, long as you in his freezer. Everybody understand? He don't mind if you go bad or if you spoil. He'll still eat it. He'll finish you off in hell. But that's the deception. I'm going to leave the truth and just because it's just something I don't agree with. But I'm not going to go all the way back. And the devil says, uh, come again. Fool, you already in my freezer. 
You already belong to me. But I'm, I'm going to let you live in that deception. I'm going to let you live there. But I'm, I'm going to enjoy these meals. Everybody understand? Let's keep reading here. Verse 32. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Everybody understand? What did we just read? Whom resist steadfast in what? The faith. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, you know what the problem is? He had just told them, I'm glad y'all have stuck with me through all of my trials and tribulations. And because you've done that, Y'all going to sit on thrones and y'all going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So how does he go from that to this? I'm going to tell you how exactly what the Lord told me some years ago. Love does not see a person where they are. It sees what they're going to become. That's the reason why the Lord told him when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Everybody understand? Listen. Let me make this clear. And this is the, the, the problem with some churches. I'm not interested in keeping you in your future. Right now, you're not converted. Everybody understand? That, that's, we, we, yes, this is all what God has for you. He wants you to judge the 12 tribes of Israel, Peter. But you still have a devil to contend with. And this is where we are now. I'm only telling you about your throne, Peter, because I want to motivate you to get there. I'm not telling you this because you've already arrived. That's why I'm telling you the devil have desired you, that he may sift you as wheat, and when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. I'm telling you what you're going to become. I'm not telling you that because you're already there. Everybody understand? So verse 32, let's read that again. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Now, if for no other reason at all, we can read this scripture and we can see that the devil already had Peter in his freezer. If he hadn't, Peter wouldn't have said what he just said. He has already rejected. You know what Peter's problem was? Pride. Now notice when the Lord says in verse 28, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptation, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on what? Thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Did Peter say, Not so, Lord. Not so. I don't deserve a throne. 
I'm like David. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house. I'm satisfied with that. Just let, I'd just watch the door. Did he come back with that? No, I ain't got no problem at all sitting on the throne somewhere. <laughs> but you, now you try to, now you trying to embarrass people. You, now you trying to call somebody out. Ain't that, that, that's not getting old to you. Why am I the one? Why not John, you know, the, whom the Lord loves? <laughs> you always picking on me. So the Lord calls him out and he don't like it. See, he speaks up when the Lord says something that don't agree with his spirit. <laughs> I don't receive that. That's not, that's not, you know, everybody understand. Why? Because my apostle have prophesied something else to me. And here was the chief apostle telling him, you're going to sit on the throne, Peter. But I'm telling you, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. You still, you still living in flesh. You still have a devil to contend with. Everybody understand? That is one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make. They don't count their adversary a worthy opponent. They get to floating on cloud nine after God done blessed them with a few things and have lifted them up out of the mud and they think that's going to carry them. They think because they've had a few victories that the devil is just back in the cut. I can't mess with you no more. The Bible says what we just read, that he walks about. He's walking around. Everybody understand? He's walking around. How many of you ever went to the store to buy something and they didn't have what you, what you wanted? But you know they normally have it. How many of you buy your hands? How many of you ever thought when you got home when they didn't have, when that store didn't have what you wanted that time, you thought, I'll never shop there again? Never. How many of you went back and even went back for what they didn't, what they didn't have before? Because you knew, well, normally they got it stocked up. And that's how the devil is. I come for you today. Okay, you're standing by faith. But you know what? I'll be back tomorrow. Because tomorrow you might have some doubt there. Everybody understand? No, he don't give up on you because he, he didn't find doubt the first time around. Even with our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he left him for a season. Everybody understand? How many of you ever seen some old football footage of, of a team that have scored a touchdown and thought they won the game with a few seconds left and they celebrating and in the meantime, the other team is scoring another touchdown and taking over the game? They done lost. Why? Because they got to celebrating too early. They didn't know it's still a game. Seen that in basketball. Three seconds left, you make a shot and you think, oh, that's it, that's it. We celebrating, we already counting the money. 
And then the devil said, you know what? I can shoot this ball from half court. Now, I'm gonna make, let me make this clear. He's going to win, and the only way he wins is if you're not paying attention, if you're not being sober and being vigilant. How many of you, when I say boxing, what's the name that come to your mind? Who's, who's the, probably the biggest name in boxing in history? Who? Mike Tyson. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Tyson, and he might still hold that record, he was the youngest heavyweight champion. I think he might have been 20 or something, or, or something along those lines when he won what became the undisputed. I saw the man fight. I thought, nobody's going to beat him. That's what we all thought that was watching those matches. Nobody, nobody can beat him. Now, I'm going to tell you what I noticed about him that I didn't notice about any other boxer outside of George Foreman. That when they swing and they punch, they use their whole upper body. They're not just throwing punches with their arms. They're swinging their whole bodies. To, to everybody understand? It's like they're punching from their waistline. And I thought, if he, when he lands those punches, that's it. You might as well just call a timeout and lay down. And I noticed in those matches that he would win, he was humble. He'd knock a man down, and they'd be down if they weren't knocked out. And you know what he'd do after the referee done counted him out? He'd go over, he'd check on them. If they had to pick them up and sit them on a chair, or if they were down, he'd, he'd help lift them up, and he might raise their hand. Like, you're a good fighter. Today just wasn't your day. Now, most of you, you're young enough, that's not the Mike Tyson you saw. But that was the original one. I knock you out, hey, man, I'm just trying to get paid. I, it, it ain't nothing to listen. Let me help you up. You okay? That was humility. But something happened. His first trainer died, the man that raised him as a son, who taught him humility. And some other vultures took over. After that, he started walking in pride. I'll knock you out. I'll bite your ear. I'll do whatever it takes to win, because that's what I'm in this for. I'm in it to win it. Never mind, I'm making millions and millions of dollars every fight, whether I win or lose. Now I'm doing it out of anger and frustration, because you even had the nerve to get in the ring with me. But then something happened. The Bible says God resisted the proud. He didn't say the proud Christian. <laughs> God resists the proud. One day he had a fight scheduled in Japan. He show up over there, he's drinking and sleeping with women. And he has to fight a man who's, who's unknown. You look at the press conference, you see everybody and their mama is in a room bigger than this trying to take pictures of Mike Tyson. And old James Buster Douglas, he's in his own small room and maybe two or three reporters in there with him. He's not going to win. You're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to fall victim just like everybody else had. You, you don't even deserve to be in the same room with the man, Mike Tyson. But what they didn't know was James Douglas, his mother had just passed away and he made his mother a promise. 
I'm bringing that belt home. That was the last conversation he had with his mother. His mother told him, you bring that belt home. Yes, ma'am, I will. So they're in that ring. It looked like Mike Tyson is winning, but he starts doing something that wasn't normal. He starts dropping his guard. He did not count his opponent a worthy opponent. And he gets hit, and he falls to the canvas for the first time in his career. And there is a famous picture of him in that fight where he's on his hands and knees and he's doing this. He's doing this because he's looking for his mouthpiece. And he's so disoriented, he doesn't know that it's hanging out of his mouth. Half of it's out of his mouth. He don't even know that his mouthpiece is in his mouth. And the referee stops the fight, counts him out. That's what happens with people when they get full of themselves after they've had a few victories. They're in a press conference with the press. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Lord is, he's really working with me and uh, <laughs> got all the mics in front of them. Yeah, so what's your question? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, got, I had victory in that. I... And the poor devil, he's in the next room. Nobody come to my press conference. But you know what he's doing? He's listening to you and your pride. And he knows, I don't even have to fight this fight. God's going to fight this one. The Bible says he resists the proud. I ain't got to swing. I ain't even got to swing. God's going to be in that ring for me today. Your pride have already whooped you, opponent. Everybody understand? We get in that ring and we get to bobbing and weaving like we always did, but with pride. And at some point, we do the opposite of what the Bible says, to be sober and be vigilant. What do we do? We drop our guard. And when we do, down on the canvas we go. And you know what it is? We're surprised. Because when we get counted out, we look up and we think we're going to see the devil standing there with his hands raised like this. But it's not the devil. It's God with his. You know why? Because I resist the proud. You should have been clothed with the humility. That's, what, that's, that's your armor. The Bible says be clothed, be covered with humility. Everybody understand? So let's keep reading. Verse 33, here's Peter at his press conference. <laughs> and he said unto him, Lord, and everybody else that's listening, since the Lord wanted to call me out in front of y'all, I am ready. I'm ready. Everybody see that? Now, what you said was in private, but I'm going to speak it on the housetops. Lord, I am ready. (laughs) 
That's why we say, by the grace of God, if the Lord will, I'll get up and go to church tomorrow. Not I'm going. Lord, if, if it's your will, I'm going. Everybody understand? If, if the Lord will and I live tomorrow, I'll do this. If it's the Lord's will, I'll do that. Everybody understand? So here's Peter in his press conference. Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison. Not, to, not just to prison, Lord. Because I'm a general in this army. There's only three generals here. Me, James, and John. The other ones, they might go to prison, but they ain't willing to go to death. But I'm, I, listen, I'm a graduate of this. I ain't, I ain't new to this. What are you talking about? I've been casting out devils. I've been doing all of that. I'm not new to this. So since you, since you want to try to tear somebody down, since you want to try to make me look bad in front of people, let me boast and say, I'll even go to death with you. And right then he sealed his fate. Everybody understand? He sealed his fate right then. Verse 34, and he said, who is he? The Lord. I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Bible says God resists the proud. Doesn't it say that? You know the Lord was done talking when he says, and, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He was done talking. Right then, Peter should have dropped on his face and fell at his feet and said, Lord, please, please, Lord, don't let me be sifted like wheat. Please, Lord. Not Peter. You keep embarrassing me in front of people. I, I, I got to speak up. This, that's, the, that's the final straw. I know I'm saved. <laughs> Everybody understand? And so when he comes back with this dialogue, I'll go to prison and to death for you and with you. What does the Lord say? Peter, you'd have done better just keeping your mouth shut. But since you wanted to talk, I'm going to go into detail about how it's going to happen. What do I care about chickens? Nothing. But in this matter, it's going to count. <laughs> Everybody understand? Let me give you your sure self, your sure sign. Everybody understand? All he was going to say was the devil had sought to sift you as wheat. And when you're converted, strengthen your brother. That's undercover. That's love. That's undercover. I'm not going to tell you how it's all going to happen. Everybody understand? Oh, listen, listen, let me make this clear. Let's read that again. Simon, Simon, verse 31. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. You see that? You see grace there? Did God answer the Lord's prayers? Did he ever pray a, a blank prayer? So he's telling them, I've prayed for you. That's, you can believe that and you can stand on that. I prayed for you. That your faith fell not, and when thou art converted, I'm telling you, Peter, you're going to be okay. So when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. Listen, 
let me make this clear. It didn't start off with Peter denying the Lord three times. All the Lord was telling him was, the devil is coming for you. But when pride answered back, then he forced God's hand. Now you're going to deny, going to deny that you know me three times. Not one time, not twice, three times. Everybody see that? Can everybody see what I'm saying there? It didn't start off with Peter supposed to have denied the Lord. It only got to that point when Peter rejected and was lifted and he rejected it because of his pride. Now he forces God's hand. Now let me help you out. Now why, do God do, why would God do that? To show you where you are. You don't know how far you need to climb when you think you're already halfway up the ladder. I'm telling you, you're not converted. Uh, but I'm also telling you that you're going to be converted. And when you convert, it strengthen your brother. That wasn't good enough. Now I got to lift myself up and make myself look like something in front of everybody. And so then the Lord says, according to his word, I have to resist the proud. I have to. So since you want to come back with that, let me spell it out for you of how it's all going to happen. And we all going to be listening for that chicken. Everybody understand? Look at what he says. I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day. In other words, everybody that's within earshot of this chicken, this rooster, even if they don't know in, in your immediate vicinity, even if they don't know and hear what you're saying, they're going to know by this that what I'm saying is the truth. You know what it is? God is going to always validate his word. And when we try to come against it, he's going to always make a fool out of us. God is going to always, God's word is more important than your reputation. God's word is more important than your pride. Everybody understand? And when our God told Peter that, he should have left it alone. But since he decided to go against it, that opened up the door for him to deny the Lord. Everybody understand? Now, <laughs> what happens when the Lord comes back for him? He's a whipped pup. Everybody understand? Only humility is converted. The Lord had to tell him three times, Peter, you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, we'll feed my sheep. The Lord, everybody understand? Why did the Lord keep saying that outside of the spiritual side? He was trying to encourage Peter. I'm telling you, I've called you. you, you you're a Christian. You, you're saved now. You're, you're okay now, Peter. Everybody understand? I'm trying to show you that back and forth. After pride gets sunk, then we go into depression. I'm going fishing. I don't, I don't deserve it no more, Lord. <laughs> How many of you know what cycle I'm talking about? You're thus, Lord. You're thus. Lord, say, get over yourself. If you just accepted what I said to begin with, we're not going to play this game, save, not save, save, not saved. Just know whatever you are is through me. Everybody understand? You ain't got to go from high up on a mountain walking on water to down in the valley and depressed. 
Every time I have to humble you, just be humble to begin with. Humble yourself. <laughs> and what they didn't know was that the Lord could see a mile away. This Bible tells us to be sober and be vigilant. It says that for a reason. If, and listen, you have an adversary. I think I did a series on that. We have an adversary. And you know, sometimes it's not clear to us because we want to, listen, how many of you have seen the devil just outright the way he looks? But you've seen him spiritually, so you know how? Through loved ones, through people that you're in contact with, that's how the devil displays himself. Through people that you love. And how do you know when he showed up? When he said something contrary to God's will for your life. I wish that people would have listened and that people would listen with, with what this word says about not keeping company with unbelievers and with people who are walking contrary to God's word. And he gives you a whole list of people. That's for your sake. You can't stop the devil from approaching you, but you ain't got to sit down and have dem dinner with him. Everybody understand? You ain't got to pick up the phone and call him. But when we reject that word, we're already on the devil, in the devil's freezer. And from that point, he begins to sift us. Now, the Bible tells us to be sober and be vigilant. That means to be watchful. Pay attention to your spiritual walk. If you know that you were a certain way at one time and you see that things are just dropping off, dropping off, that ought to let you know, wait a minute, I'm being pulled. Everybody understand? How many of you ever gone fishing? And you hook a fish. What do you have to do? Does the fish just swim right on, up, into, up to you and just hop in your bucket? It would be nice, wouldn't it? What are they doing? They know they're hooked. They know this ain't good. Worms ain't supposed to have steel in them. I've been caught. I'm not able to swim like I freely like I was supposed to. Something's pulling me. Wait a minute, I can't live outside of water. I'm gonna die in oxygen. And that's what, that's what our minds are supposed to be. Wait a minute. The devil's got me hooked. Hell wasn't made for me. I can't live there. That's the second death. And we need to get to doing like what these fish do. If you do get me, devil, you're going to be good and tired by the time you do get me. It's going to be a fight. And listen, unlike the fish, all we have to do is call on God. He'll come and cut that line. How many of you ever lost a fish? Yeah, somebody was praying somewhere, weren't they? Even fish get grace. And if God give fish grace, then how much will he give us? 
Yeah, but not without humility. Everybody understand? We have to have humility. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the word that you've preached to us. God, we ask that you will help us to take heed to what we've heard today. That we will not stumble, Lord, at this word. Help us, Lord, if we've rejected anything that we've heard before. Help us to go back to that place, Lord. Help us to pick up what we've put down concerning your word, Lord. Help us to believe what you've said. God, I pray that this word will not return void, but it will accomplish what you've sent it out to accomplish, Lord. Thank you so much for laying your word out plainly to us. Lord, we ask that you will help us to be humble before you. Help us, Lord. If there is any pride in our lives anywhere, God, we ask that you will remove it, that you will help us, Lord, to humble ourselves in whatever area we're high-minded in. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for dying for our souls and caring enough for us, Lord, to come in flesh. Lord, we pray that you will help us to walk worthy of our callings. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. If that's all now, uh, we'll be, prayerfully we'll be um, um, meet up somewhere to discuss what we've heard today. If that's all now, we're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.